You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Good to have you here. For this episode, I want to talk about the Big Five, also referred to as the Anglosphere. They are the USA, Canada, UK, Australia, and New Zealand. If you're listening to this, there's a strong statistical chance that you live in one of these countries, and even more so that you're keen on selling to these markets. There are other nations that can qualify for the Anglosphere, such as Ireland, but those are the Big Five. The Big Five are referred to as the Anglosphere due to a common ancestry. That is, they all originate from the British Empire. The nations assist each other with sharing of vital information, referred to as the Five Eyes. They all participate in a civic democratic process in politics and allow for the privatization of the marketplace. They all speak English as their primary language, and with the exception of the U.S., which is a fully independent nation, the Queen is the formal head of state. In looking up the Big Five, having learned that term through my own study in e-commerce, I was expecting more content related to that subject. Instead, I got politics. Lots and lots of politics. Just so we're clear, we are an e-commerce company. I've got opinions. You've got opinions. Most people have opinions. But this isn't the show for them. The internet isn't exactly starving for that kind of content to begin with. I'm here to give you information along with my personal take when applicable. Information designed to help you succeed. Remember, in the age of e-commerce, our job is to solve problems and contribute to the net good. What I have prepared for you today are some general guidelines for international e-commerce, as well as some useful information about each of the big five nations that you can keep in mind when figuring out how to best market to them. So let's go over what you need to know in the world of international dropshipping. This list is thanks to WholesaleSuitePlugin.com. Number one, you need a shipping carrier that is up to the task. These are companies like UPS. So for instance, if you plan on shipping worldwide, the supplier better be able to do this as well. WSP recommends visiting the shipper's website to check for import regulations per each country. And as well, they should be listing the factors that you need to consider. You have shipping options such as like, if you want to offer regular, if you want to offer express, you have rates, you have coverage, which is another way of saying insurance. Tracking or mapping tools, delivery timeframe, fees, package size, and any other policies that they might need to implement. Number two, you need to check regulations for each destination country. For instance, WSP references uh, Tech in Asia's writing on the subject. They say, when you plan to export merchandise valued over 2,500 USD to other countries, Canada excluded, Watch out for the U.S. foreign trade regulations. This requires you to fill your export information electronically through the automated export system. If you don't, they can take your stuff. That last line is my wording of it. Number three, you need insurance. Your role in this is rather hands-off compared to, say, making your own quilts from scratch. Therefore, with so much out of your control, you're going to want to make sure you find coverage that fits your intentions. Number four, shipping rates. 
Within this are customs regulations, country of origin and destination, size and weight of the package, and the shipping carrier. Number five, delivery time. The more markets you're open to, the more leeway you may want to give when providing an estimate. It's also important to know what level of service the customer base is used to. It's not necessarily about density. You can have a suburban zone, expect more frequency than a dense urban setting. It has more to do with the area's overall quality of life. Number six, electronic invoice. If you prefer, you can go with a paper invoice included in the package, but the ideal route is to provide an invoice electronically. I've personally dealt with invoicing, and the company I worked for at the time decided to include both types to be safe. The issue with this is we were shipping high value, low volume. So we maybe had to print 20 invoices a month. And there was one invoice per each product sold. Each product sold came in its own box and was in its own package. This may not be ideal for you, depending on what your scale is going to be. Number seven, customs clearance. WSP refers to iContainers.com, who state, in shipping, you must take into account customs at the destination of the cargo and at the origin of both imports and exports. I can give you an example of this from personal experience. At that previous job, we sold luxury watches. They were shipped worldwide out of the head office in Europe. One customer ordered a watch with crocodile leather, which we weren't allowed to ship to the United States, where the customer was. With the clock ticking, pardon the pun, we ended up removing the band so the customer could get the watch, period, and then adopted a policy to inform customers of this issue and offer a leather band that looked the part. WSP also references Allegro Freight, who state that you're also going to encounter customs fees, which are based on the value of the item in both where it's shipped to and from. There's also a shipping fee tax, a warehousing fee, and probably some other ones too, because there's always room for more fees. Again, that last part was my add-on. Number eight, tracking. Naturally, customers are putting a great deal of trust in ordering from you. And personally, a few bad experiences haven't deterred me from ordering online. They may, however, make me reluctant to spend more than $200 tops. Your shipping carrier needs to provide tracking information, which is beneficial both to you and the customer. Currently, I'm dealing with such an issue. I ordered a bracket for my tablet so that it could be suspended. Makes it easier for reading and multitasking. The hands-free bracket. Well, apparently it was delivered in Quebec. Now I don't live in Quebec, so we can mark that delivery as a mistake. I'm currently speaking to customer service about it, and if not for the tracking number, I'd have no means to prove what happened. Number nine, packaging. WSP states, most customers value the packaging and presentation of the products as much as the product itself. Speaking as a customer, I'd say this is about 70% correct. As I, as I do the research and I write the scripts out, I usually wear my one compress arthritis gloves. I don't have arthritis, but you know, with the amount that I use it, I'm expecting it to, uh, to haunt me. So I'm trying to be proactive about it now. I can still vividly recall the blank packaging. As I talked about them with my first product review, I would gladly order from them again, but with an asterisk. Another interesting point WSP references Shopify about, and as you can see, I'm all about credit where it's due. 
you want to keep packaging as small as you can. So one observation that's interesting about this is, let's say you're selling compression gloves. I am never lacking for inspiration. Well, they come in a small package. So before you consider investing in big boxes, ask yourself, what else can you sell that's of comparable size? Maybe compression socks or a compression hat. Yeah, that sounds good. Number 10, terms and conditions. You need to know the policies for both the shipper and the supplier. That includes returns, exchanges, payment methods, and guarantees. If it sounds like a lot of research, it is. But the key takeaway is to always think long-term. It's better that you plan for world domination rather than, oh, right, sorry, I promise, no politics. Anyways, now that you've got that in mind, let's move on to some information related to the countries themselves. I found an excellent resource, webinterpret.com. Thanks to them, I've got some great stats that I can share with you. First, we got the USA. Population, 326 million. A GDP growth rate of 3.8%. 286 million internet users with an internet penetration of 88.5% and a smartphone penetration of 69.3%. Just in case you're not sure, that just means how many people are using the internet. So 88% of the population are online. And 69% of the population are on smartphones. I expect that number to go up. The top five product categories are apparel and accessories, computer and consumer electronics, auto and parts, related to auto, books, music, video, and then furniture and home furnishings. The top e-commerce websites are Amazon, Walmart, and Home Depot, followed by Target, Best Buy, Lowe's, Macy's, Newegg.com, Wayfair, and Kohl's. So we're going up against some heavy hitters here. Keeping up with trends in the USA is key. For instance, according to cloudways.com, the top 10 selling products in 2020, you know, so far, are a portable blender, spider nail gel, wireless phone chargers, face shields, phone lenses, inflatable pet collars, eyeshadow stamp, strapless backless bra, child wrist leash, and a front-facing baby carrier. So the face shields I get, I'm kind of blanking on the nail gel. The USA, in case you're not a huge expert on the subject, is quite diverse. Within each state lies their own cultures. You have states along the water, states that never experienced snow, states that are really proud of potatoes. It won't be enough just to pick the USA. You might find success in one area, not another. This is true of other nations, not to diminish the cultural differences. Even where I live, we have you know different districts with different behaviors. But what separates the USA from the others is their population. Anything that takes culturally will have a lot of sway. And that also leads me to another key point. The USA is probably the most influential country in the world. Yes, that, that does include politics. Can't pretend otherwise. But it also refers to innovation in the tech sector, film and television, and of course e-commerce. An idea that takes root in the U.S., has more chance to bloom and spread across the world than any other country, and that's a fact. Credit to Oberlo, as I was able to procure a lot of information from them in regards to this. They go into great length about dropshipping to the U.S. and outline both the good and bad sides of it. According to their 2017 data, the U.S. outpaces every other country in total sales. 
and that's not likely to have changed with the ever-growing rate of e-commerce. Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and the like originate from there. As well, they outpace any other country in the launching of new e-commerce sites. There are also downsides to dropshipping in the US. Keep in mind that this is in a specific context, for starting out and for long-term growth. Oberlo.com claims that dropshipping to the US can actually limit your success. The first is that, while you're selling to the US, import is as lengthy there as it is in most other parts of the world because it's primarily being shipped from China. And if you had a supplier within the US, you'd find that the margins are lower anyway. The market in the US is also fiercely competitive, owing to the surging and expansion of businesses like Amazon. The consumer base also has a higher expectation of quality. They're used to good customer service. And where Amazon is delivering products within two days, waiting up to three months for a package isn't going to sit well. I can also point to some hard data from a mix of sources, including Adespresso and Statista. The average CPM for Facebook ads was 7.19 US and 24.74 for Google AdWords. Nonetheless, no country can make or break like this one. And in my opinion, doing business there is non-negotiable. Next, we have Canada. Population, 36 million. A GDP growth rate of 3%. 32 million internet users. Also with an internet penetration of 88.5%. According to CanadiansInternet.com, these are the 2020 top selling product markets for the Canadian market. Sustainable fashion, which ties into a specific format known as re-commerce. Specialty fashion, such as big and tall. Entrepreneur, home business improvement, owing to the uh, increase of do-it-yourself and working remote and freelancing and independent in the gig economy. Health and fitness. Then you have recurring subscriptions, essentially boxes you get in the mail once a month full of neat stuff. People like being surprised. And then you have cannabis, specifically accessories. The product itself, while legal, is subject to provincial ruling. Uh, and then you have pets, just food, toys, anything pet-related. Next up are senior citizens, which is more specifically referring to assisted living products. Fun fact for you, 71% of seniors in Canada use the internet in 2018. And then there's information and online education, which is ebooks, other learning courses. And last are reusable products, such as shopping bags and forks. Now, Canada and the U.S. are firmly intertwined in trade. According to export.gov, Canadians are the best customers of U.S. commerce. The two nations enjoy a bilateral trade and investment relationship valued at $1.6 trillion. Goods and services in 2018 rose to and above $725 billion. Investment stock tolling over $900 billion. Canada is the number one market for exports for over 30 states, the total exceeding the total amount of U.S. exports to China, Japan, South Korea, and Singapore. And it shows. Being in Canada, we certainly have access to products and services from around the world, but none so apparent as the U.S. Apple stores are usually the most packed. The movie industry can comfortably count on us to watch the same films. It is a bit of a one-way street culturally. Canadians observe U.S. trends and culture more than the other way around. One way I like to characterize Canada is that it's basically America wearing a helmet. Now, one thing I want to weigh in on in terms of my experience and 
and not just in the media field, but I've also have a bit of a background in the arts is that we have a lot of great talent in Canada, but trying to get that talent to be able to uh, sustain themselves is exceedingly difficult. So what ends up happening is that a lot of our great talent ends up going to the United States because as good as you are here, you can be that much better to 10 times the population. It is thanks to the internet that we can turn this around. But even so, a lot of industry is still firmly rooted in having to go to the United States to succeed. The biggest one that I'm thinking of is uh, the Hollywood system. All right, now we've got the United Kingdom. Population, 66 million. A GDP growth rate of 1.2%. 60 million internet users with an internet penetration of 92.6%. The top five e-commerce platforms slash retail sites are Amazon, eBay, Home Retail Group, Tesco, and Apple. The top five product categories are books, music, movies, video games. Those are all, those are all one. And then you have consumer electronics and computers, household appliances, furniture and homeware, and then clothing and footwear. A bit of a snag here. I don't have a date for the information presented by webinterpret.com. Their site is copyright 2020, so they are still updating. But I went to visit Home Retail Group, and as of 2016, it was bought out by Sainsbury's, a company that displays its current share price of 195.20 pounds. Uh, they also are the carriers of several sub-companies, Argos 2, spelled T-U, Habitat, and then Sainsbury Home and Bank. Of all the new sites I visited in researching this episode, it's the most transparent. The three latest articles include an update from their chief executive, new masks, and a new store opening. I also visited Tesco.com, which is comparable to a Costco both in color scheme, product offering, and club membership. So what we can extrapolate from this is that people of the UK want to enrich their minds. They value culture and are constantly buying new media. Coming from a market saturated with quality American content, a lot of UK content gets through as well. Doctor Who, Luther. If you haven't watched Luther, please, please do yourself a favor. I can also assess that, with them being the only group on this list, to order both appliances as well as furniture, that they're comfortable with making bigger purchases. Last, we have the two Oceania nations on this list. That is the first time that I have tried to say Oce... I've said it out loud. I, I've, I, that can't be it. Oce, Oceania. I've never figured... I never actually know how to how spell... How it's, how it's said. Uh, I'm, I'm looking this up. Hang on. All right. Oceania. That is not how I thought it was going to be. Note to the editor, we're keeping all of this in. I thought that was way too funny. Anyways, first, let's do Australia. Population, 24 million, a GDP growth of 2.2%, 20 million internet users with an internet penetration of 85.1%. The top five product categories are travel, then entertainment slash leisure, clothes, electronics, and then food and drink. Now, this is me extrapolating, but with travel being their number one, that adventurousness is what I would deem a primary trait of Australian culture. Um, one cultural touchstone that I can speak of that supports this was the legendary Steve Irwin, also known as a crocodile hunter. He has since passed, and his family 
proudly carries on his legacy, but his influence is world-renowned. The top five e-commerce platforms are eBay Australia, Gumtree, Amazon, Ozbargain, and then regular eBay. So the first thing that popped in my head is what makes Australian eBay so significant to outpace the others. So I visited the site, and the first thing that pops up is, in quote, Australian made on eBay, your central hub for everything Australian made. The second thing on the website, quote, your one-stop liquor shop, end quote. So Australian pride is a big factor. And they clearly value product made by their own nation, as we all should. But the stats don't lie. The Australian market followed through. The second is Gumtree, which is a more visual Craigslist. The major categories on the site are vehicles, home and garden, jobs, and real estate. The last site of theirs to stand out is Ozbargain. The website, to me, resembles a market wash interface, but there are also public discussions being displayed on the same list as products for sale or trade. Of all the sites I took a look at, it's the most simple in design, promoting functionality first. Alright, and last up, New Zealand. Population 4 million, a GDP growth rate of 3.5%, 4 million internet users, and an internet penetration just under 90%. The top 5 e-commerce platforms are TradeMe, The Warehouse, GrabOne, Amazon, and Air New Zealand. The top 5 product categories are Electronics, Baby and Children's Supplies, Entertainment and Education, Clothing, and then finally Appliances and Furniture. Interesting to note that, like with Australia, Amazon is not as popular there as it is in North America. Some of that is likely infrastructure. It's one thing to ship within the states, and there's plenty of traffic between China and North America that things can travel in bulk, but shipping all the way to these remote islands is a cost in itself, not to mention all the overhead that you have to uh, deal with as well. So not knowing too much about New Zealand, other than that's where they filmed the Lord of the Rings movies, I wanted to check their websites out. I went to trademe.co.nz to see what it's about, and I see a lot of national pride on display. It says, in quote, Kia ora, what can we help you find? Trademe is a New Zealand equivalent of Craigslist. Um, this is very interesting. The number one e-commerce site deals both in new and used products, whereas Amazon, a primarily new market, is number one for Canada, the US, and the UK. What I extrapolate from this data is that the people of New Zealand are buying for keeps, and then they prefer to trade, thus maximizing their value. The second most popular platform, the warehouse.co.nz, is comparable to our Walmarts here in North America. Everything is for sale and seemingly on sale. Some other aspects that stood out to me um, when comparing them to Walmart is that they advertise their app on the front page. They advertise contactless, carbon-neutral delivery, which covers their COVID dues, and their finance system, Zip, which is own it now, paying for. What we can learn from this is that because they are willing to allow for finance on purchases between 50 to 1500 they can accommodate the desires of their customers, prioritizing getting the product in the customer's hands first. This can make it difficult for other American companies to compete because it heightens the standards expected by the customer base. 
The third one is grab1.co.nz. And to be honest, I, I had a bit of a hard time thinking of a comparable website in my part of the world. Uh, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Groupon. It offers products, services, experiences, and every offer comes with a price reduction. Now, this is where it gets a bit funny to me, since this is the third most popular site in New Zealand. It stands to reason that many people are checking this site out, which means that the reduced prices are probably the prices. But it's a nice feeling. The last bit of this I want to leave you with is that you are not restricted to these five nations at all. Oberlo also goes into detail about some of the other countries worth considering, provided that you're sticking to the English-speaking market. Oberlo notices a great deal of traffic from Scandinavia, which are Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. These countries have a high cost of living too, so they may be more receptive to spending a premium. Alright, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd like to get some feedback from members of these nations, primarily the Big Five, but also other nations. What's the situation like there? I'd love to hear more about what your personal shopping experiences are like, so reach out to us at podcast at debutify.com. That's it for now. Thank you. You might have found this show on any number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. 